you're listening to a message from Lifeway Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, please visit www.lifeway.church. Now, please enjoy this message from our pastor, Bruce Rhodes. Good morning. Unto us. Unto us. Let's turn over to Isaiah chapter 9. This whole month is going to be the unto us month. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read this. Let's all stand as we read the word. They're going to put it up on the screen as well. But let our eyes... Focus on this scripture and our hearts. Embrace it as well. I want us to read it all together. You ready? This is on the, in the New King James Version. I've got it. Um, they've got the note up there right now. Here, here we go. Isaiah 9, 6. You ready? For unto us a child is born... Unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so, Father, this morning we thank you for your word, your living word that shows us Jesus gives us a revelation of the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, the Everlasting Father, our Counselor. And we thank you that you show us what we need to see, Father, to draw nearer to Him who sits on the throne, who's raised from the dead, who gave us life. We celebrate Him and we thank you, Father, for a fresh revelation of Jesus this morning. We honor you in this place and we thank you. Holy Spirit, have your way. Illuminate to us the word of truth and we thank you. We receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. Unto us, unto us this gift, this gift of Jesus brought restoration. This gift of, of Jesus brought reconciliation. He brought revelation. He brought redemption. And we declare that Jesus is God's greatest gift to mankind. You know, God the Father wrapped His Son in flesh and blood. In just a few weeks, we're going to be wrapping presents, but God the Father wrapped his son in flesh and blood and had him born at just the right moment in time to fulfill scripture, all scripture that had been prophesied years before in order that the purpose of Jesus would bring us into fellowship with the Father. That's huge. That is a huge revelation. (laughs) It, 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 as I'm just looking at what God has given me to say, it's, it's, 
is shaking me from the inside because it's so powerful. The more I walk with him, uh, the more I discover the wonders of his grace, the, the richer it becomes, the, 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 the more valuable this fellowship, this relationship that God has initiated with us. He, we respond to his love. He first gave that we might receive. He thought of what we needed before we knew we needed anything. It's so awesome to realize that God had this planned out. That God knew we would need restoration. That God made provision when Adam missed it. That God anticipated what man needed before we ever knew that we had a need. And so today we're going to look at this word called restoration. Restore. That Jesus was, was given by the Father unto us. He gave unto us. He's has given unto us, and he continues to give to us restoration through Jesus. There's three, three points today. Our first point this morning is that God wants fellowship. <laughs> he desires fellowship, and you can see it from the beginning, that God created, back in Genesis, God created man. But he created man in his image. If you'll turn back over to uh, Genesis Chapter 1, you can see that it was God's intent that he created man so that there would be koinonia, there would be fellowship. The Greek word for fellowship is koinonia. It is a sharing. And Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, let us. Now, this is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in dialogue with one another, declaring to each other, let us make man kind, or man, in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over the livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So it was God's intent and God's design and God's heart that he have fellowship with man. He created man on a different level than animals. <laughs> Notice that it, it does not say that the animals would have dominion over man, but man would have dominion over animals. He created us with uh, uh, the ability to communicate with himself. And so with that ability, he gave us a position. He gave us the uh, position with himself to communicate and to, to name. He's, he says in, in, in Genesis um, chapter 2, that uh, in verse 19, we'll just go ahead and, and read that. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man. He brought all of the animals, everything that he created, to Adam so that Adam could name them. Whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. 
what trust God had in Adam to name the animals. He gave Adam responsibility. Adam wasn't creating the animals, but Adam had co-responsibility in the creation that God made, which shows that God trusted Adam. There was a relationship there. There was fellowship there. There was a working together. There was a position, a place that Adam had. And we see that in Genesis. We see that in creation. Adam had the privilege of communicating with God on a moment-by-moment basis. Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. We see from some of the other phrases that that Genesis uses that, that it was common that man would walk with God in the cool of the garden. Because God came looking for Adam in the cool of the garden. Adam wasn't there. Because Adam disobeyed. But back to this original point that God created man for fellowship. It wasn't that God was lonely. (laughs) It was that God chose to love man and bring him to a position and give him the ability to communicate. That communication is, is, it works two ways. There's listening, there is talking. And so it's a sharing. That fellowship word is very important and very deep. But the second point here is that man lost that fellowship. In Genesis 3.23, we see that Adam disobeyed God and God took the initiative to bring correction. There was punishment for disobedience. And this first sin cost Adam his, his position with God. Genesis 3.23 says, So the Lord God banished Adam from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So the fall of man is in Genesis chapter 3. And I think it does good to see this for ourselves in Genesis 3 1 it says now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made he said to the woman did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden the woman said to the serpent we may eat from the trees in the garden but God but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it and she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized that they were naked So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So, there's three things that sin does. Three things that that sin brings. Brings guilt, number one, guilt. Number two, shame. And number three, fear. This sin... 
robbed Adam of his position with God. God banished him from the garden. But even before God banished Adam from the garden, Adam hid out of fear because he knew he disobeyed. And he was dealing with guilt and shame. So, this, this fear of God, the wrong fear of God that pushes man away is what people deal with. <laughs> it's what we deal with when we miss it. But through Jesus, this, this relationship, this fellowship has been restored. Sin is universal. And through Adam, mankind fell. Paul explained it like this in Romans 3, verses 10 through 12. There is not one righteous, not even one. There's not one who understands. There's not one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've all together become worthless. There's no one good, not even one. And he was describing the depravity of man and that without Jesus, there's no hope. That sin is much too great without the Savior. That sin builds a wall between us and God. Where we turn and we run and we hide. Dealing with shame. Dealing with guilt. And the ultimate death. And so Romans 5, 12 talks about sin and talks about the gift of God's grace. And it's so plain and so clear. I want us to read Romans 5, verse 12, and then 15 through 17 from the New Living Translation. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. But there was a great difference between Adam's sin... And God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin, for Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin And death through this one man, Jesus Christ. And so we see from Romans chapter 5 here that sin results in death. But accepting God's free gift results in life. It results in a restoration of that position and the fellowship. The position, we say, is a relationship. God wanted man to have a relationship, but he also wanted us to have fellowship. And because God is in the restoration business, he provided Jesus 
as a gift unto us to restore us. So awesome that God thought of everything before Adam missed it. (laughs) Before Adam missed it. God was working. And so Jesus restores our our fellowship is the point that I, I really want to focus on in this message. I want us to understand how valuable we are to God and how much he loves to hear you call his name. You see, I, I see God's mercy in the fact that God went looking for Adam. <laughs> Adam hid in his guilt and shame. God went looking to call him. Hey, Adam, where are you? Where are you? God's calling through his gift of Jesus. Hey, Mary. Hey, Joe. Hey, Peter. Where are you? Calling men, women, boys and girls back into relationship, back into that position, back into fellowship. And so restoration is needed. Restoration to restore something. Uh, restore means to bring back into the original position. And spiritually speaking, it means to stand before God as in the beginning before Adam had sinned without the sense of guilt and shame. What we're talking about is, is right standing, standing in the right place. We, we, we've mentioned position a lot this morning. But God has, has given us a position, like the scripture says, Come boldly before the throne of grace that you may obtain help in time of need. I'm not sure about you, but I have need every day. <laughs> and I, have, I face a time of need every day, which means I need to come before his throne of grace. There's a position there. He wants you to, he invites you in. He opens the door through the gift of Jesus to come close, come near. We use the term Righteousness which is a spiritual term that a lot of people don't understand, but it it means the right standing, the right place, to be in the right place at the right time to receive what God has for us. That's right standing. That's righteousness. You know, I think back about 10 years ago, uh, soon after we had started the church, um, people kind of felt sorry for us because we didn't have a whole lot. And if you were with us back then, we, we, we met in this one house, and I, I joke with some, uh, Carson, I think, we had to screw in the uh, fluorescent bulbs every Sunday morning before we could have light to come on. I mean, we would flip the switch, but we had to screw in the bulb. It had to kill all the roaches with the raid, so you had this wonderful odor. But we were just glad we had a, a place to meet. And we needed some furniture, and so somebody said, do you need some tables? Well, the answer was always yes. When everybody, whenever somebody, if you're in need, when somebody says, would you like, the answer is always yes. yes. And so, uh, do you need some tables? The answer was yes, and these tables showed up. And there was this one table that uh, they said came from a school, and it was wooden along with some other tables, but it had been really used. I don't know how old it was, but it, it was, you know, it was a table. It was solid. And, 
And it, uh, it served a purpose. It, the, the shellac, the lacquer was all cracked and old and kind of yellow. And, you know, they had, somebody had put contact paper over it, but ripped it off. If you've ever put contact paper on wood and then ripped it off, it's all sticky. So the best thing to do is just put more contact paper over it. And so we used this table because it was sturdy. It was wood. It wasn't this plastic or, or press board stuff. And we kept this table around for years. And then one day we were moving and changing locations. And I said, just get rid of all that stuff. Let's go buy some stuff. And somebody saw that table and said, we'll set it to the side. They didn't tell me about it. And so the table went somewhere unbeknownst to me for a period of time until one day this person brought the table back and presented it to me as a gift and they said pastor here's a nice wooden table and I said where did that come from that's nice and I have it in my office today to remind me what God will do to restore. <laughs> I, love, I love the table because I look at the table and think, wow, that was underneath. It's an oak table. And it was in a school. And who knows if it was a desk of a teacher that taught students and now the students are off doing wonderful things. Um, who knows the history of that table. But to me, it means that God can take what we think is broken, messed up, glued up, sticky, and we just want to throw it away, and God can take it and restore it Amen. and use us. Amen. This is what the gift of Jesus brought restoration. You know, there's cars that people restore that are worth many times more today than they were when they came off the showroom floor. And Jesus is in the restoration business. Let's look at Luke chapter 1 to see what restoration brings us. What does Jesus' restoration bring you and you and I? Luke one twenty six says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings. You who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Let's stop right there and think about why Mary was highly favored. I believe because the Lord was with her. Again, back to communion, fellowship. Having that position with God. Enjoying that fellowship with God. Put Mary in a place of being highly favored because the Lord was with her. Favor comes as a result of that position that God has provided for us. That fellowship that we enjoy with God brings his favor in our life. And so verse 29 says, Mary, Mary was greatly troubled at, this wor at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel had said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Again, this position with God, this fellowship with God that was reserved for Mary. 
because she was obedient. And God knew that she would be obedient. You know, God blessed Abraham because he said, I know this man, that he will command his children and his children's children after him. There's a blessing of favor with obedience. Would you agree? And so, verse 31 says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great, and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, How will this be, since I'm but yet a virgin? And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is now in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. (laughs) She was favored. But here's what she said. Verse 38. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. So Mary operated in the favor of God because she knew the place that she had with God. She said at the very end, I'm the Lord's servant. In other words, I submit myself to the Lord. I enjoy that fellowship with him. And I place myself in connection with him. And whatever you say to me, I'll do it. And whatever you say to me, I believe it. So Mary, through her obedience, walked in the favor of God. And through Jesus, he restored our our ability to approach God. Mary was saying, yes, I choose God's will. And this is the same way that we walk in favor today. Yes, Lord, I choose your will. Say that with me. Yes, Lord. Lord. I choose your will. will. If you ever wonder how to walk in favor, that's how you walk in favor. Yes, Lord, I choose your will. Yes, Yes, Lord, I am your servant. Yes, Lord. To have that fellowship, that daily fellowship. Yes, Lord, I submit to you. I'm all about your business, not my business. I'm in fellowship with you because Jesus has provided that place that we should walk in his favor. The Lord's favor. Look at how Jesus announced this favor in in Luke chapter 4, verse 17. It's when Jesus was young in his ministry and he stood up in the temple and he took the scroll of the prophet Isaiah in verse 17 as it was handed to him and he unrolled it and found the place where it was written. Jesus knew a lot about scripture. He found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. There it is again. Jesus declared the year of the Lord's favor. This year is the year of the Lord's favor. God's grace has been shed on us. And God hasn't taken his grace off of us. His favor is still expressed to us through the gift of his son, Jesus. 
and the gift of righteousness. The gift of righteousness came through Jesus. Verse 20 in Luke 4, Jesus then rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The grace of God is his favor that restores us to the right position with God. This righteousness that we have that came as a gift through Jesus is the favor of God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. How great is the gift of Jesus. What did God the Father do through giving the gift of Jesus to us? I pray you'll never look at the manger scene the same again. This gift, we have one displayed down here. This gift of Jesus allowed us to become the righteousness of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that, so that, that's purpose. That phrase, so that. God made Jesus to be sin, who had no sin, for us, so that we would become the righteousness of God through him. The righteousness of God to lift us up to the position. To restore us. To restore us so that we have fellowship and we have communion with him. Through the gift of Jesus that he's given to us, he restores our original position with him so that we can have fellowship with him. Just as the very beginning, as Adam had fellowship with the Father without that sense of guilt, shame, or condemnation. God wants us to run to him so that we fellowship with him and learn more about him and not run from him to hide in our guilt and our shame. His love for us, his gift to us through Jesus draws us nearer and nearer. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. I want us to look at this from the Amplified Bible. So powerful. Ephesians 2, beginning in verse 8. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ, that you have been saved and actually delivered from judgment and given Eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves. It's not through your own effort. But it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. Not as a result of your works, nor your attempts to keep the law. So that no one will be able to boast or take credit in any way for his salvation. So good. 
if people ask you when you go back to work in January, what did you get for Christmas? <laughs> I pray that we're bold enough to say, hey, do you have just a moment? I'd like to tell you, but we got to get back to work right now. But during lunch, I'll tell you. I'll buy you lunch. And let me tell you what I got for Christmas. I got a new revelation, a new understanding of the grace of God toward me, the gift of Jesus and his righteousness, that right standing, that fellowship, that communion, that position that God has reserved and ordained for you and for me. For everyone. It was his compassion. His remarkable. This, this verse says. Ephesians 2.8 says. God's remarkable compassion and favor. Drawing us to Christ. If it wasn't for the grace of God. None of us would have come to Christ. It was his grace. It was his love. Drawing us the whole time. And we had little idea. How powerful it was. But when we look back in our life, we can point to the fact that it was the powerful love of God that didn't give up on us, that kept insisting, draw near, come close, draw near, come close. Just like this example of, of Moses Bush. Is it, was it Moses Bush or God's Bush? <laughs> the encounter that Moses had with God. Come near, draw close, come near, draw close. In James, it says, when we draw near to him, what does he do? Why would God, who sits on a throne, draw near to you? Come near, come near, come near. No. I like to think, I, I mean, if I'm drawing near to him... Maybe he, he, he's never off the throne, right? But he has to draw near to us. And him drawing near to me makes me want to draw near to him. Do you see that? If there's a king, earthly king, and I'm in his throne room and I'm drawing near to him, the closer I get, the more afraid of him I might might become but James says we draw near to him he draws near to us which causes us to draw near to him which causes him to draw near to us what causes us to draw near to him and causes him to draw near to us and causes us to draw near to him which causes him to draw near to us and you get the picture the fellowship, guys, is the fellowship. It's not the things we can do for God. It is the fact that we come to him as a loving father and say, Dad, I love you. You as a father, you as a mother, what greater thing for your child than to just come up into your lap, not ask for anything to eat, not ask you to change their diaper, <laughs> wipe their face, give them money, the keys to the car, a hundred spot, just climb up in my lap and say, I love you. The thing in my mind as a father when that happens with my 29-year-old daughter is, how long can we make this last? Just, just stay here for a minute. Right? 
Because, guys, it's back to the fellowship. It's back to that position that God has prepared for us that he wants us to live in. Jesus said, if we abide in the vine, if we abide in the vine, we'd ask whatever we want. And the Father would gladly give it to you. The restoration that we have with God happens when we accept the free gift of His grace through Jesus' sacrificial gift of salvation. When we acknowledge our trust, our total trust and dependence on Him, and we commit to turn away from sin. We just talked about sin a little bit and how it disrupts the fellowship and cuts off the communion and the relationship that we have with God. When we become born again, we have to work out our salvation through His grace, inviting the Holy Spirit to empower us to say no to sin, to resist sin, to turn from sin, to repent from sin. Thank you, Father, for empowering me to say no the next time I'm tempted so that my relationship and my fellowship will be uninterrupted. Continual fellowship with the Father is necessary to live in the way that God wants us to live. And he's provided that through his unspeakable gift of Jesus. What a gift from God that he gave us so that we would be able to come to this position before him and fellowship with him. What about you today? Do you need restoration? Do you need to take that position to fellowship with God? Jesus was the gift that provided that open door for us to receive forgiveness from God. Not only does he restore us to that position that he made for us, that, that, that position in the family. But he also, in Psalm 23, says he restores our soul. A lot of people today need restoration in their soul, need to receive the peace of God, especially in this, this season that we're living in. The peace of God, it makes the difference in our life. How about your marriage? Do you need peace? You need restoration. Comes through Jesus. Doesn't come through your effort. Doesn't come through a book or a counselor. It comes through Jesus. The wonderful counselor. The mighty God. The Prince of Peace. The everlasting Father. And through this free gift of Jesus and because he sacrificed his life, he brings us back into this position, this relationship with God. Adam's sin put a barrier between God and man, but the blood sacrifice of Jesus removed the barrier and restored us into a place of fellowship with God. So I want us to bow our head, close our eyes, and just think for a moment. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you through this message? How valuable is this Great salvation. So great a salvation.
that Jesus would, would leave heaven, lay aside his glory and come to earth, become one of us and put flesh on to prove how much the Father loved us. Father, I thank you again for sending Jesus. Lord, we know that it, it must, have been, must have been difficult because we, we as humans, if, if we're asked to give up our child, can imagine. But you had purpose in mind. You had us in mind. This restored relationship with you and fellowship eternally so father we just extend this invitation that you extended 2000 years ago to come to receive Jesus if there's anyone here that needs to make this decision to begin to follow Jesus at this moment Today is your day and this is your time and the gift is right there in front of you to take. This decision is between you and the Father. The way that you receive it is just by faith. It's in your heart and with your mouth declaring that you want this gift of righteousness, this free gift through Jesus, declaring your faith and your trust in him. So while we're here in this moment, let's just all say this together. Heavenly Father, I choose to believe right here, right now, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he's the eternal gift given by you to me for salvation and I receive Jesus I declare today that Jesus Christ is my Lord that he came to earth that he was born of Mary a virgin that he died on a cross and shed his blood for me that he was buried in a tomb but he rose from the dead and now he's seated at your right hand I believe that with all of my heart I trust you with all of my life and I choose today to follow you all the days of my life in Jesus' name. So simple, so sincere, and so pure. Listen, guys, God doesn't want us to be religious. He wants us to have a relationship. He knows what we're dealing with. And he made a way for us to come, just like I quoted before, that we should come boldly before the throne of grace to receive help 
in our time of need. And if you're in a time of need right now, we want to take an opportunity to pray for you. One of the things that we do as a church is that we pray. When we come together, we depend on God's power. It's not our power that does anything. It's God's power. And prayer is nothing more or nothing less than just asking God, invoking God and asking Him to intervene in your situation. I'm not sure what you're dealing with, but I do know that probably, I'm safe to say that everybody in here is dealing with something. There's challenges, the world we live in, so challenging. Such a spirit of division living in our country, dividing our nation. The enemy is looking to come in, especially to divide families during this time. Guys, we're aware of this, and we want to pray with you. I want to pray a, a, a general prayer, but then I'm going to invite you, if you need specific prayer, to come up as we leave in just a moment and receive prayer specifically. Guys, prayer, is, is, prayer involves the power of God in our situation. You know, the gift is nothing without taking the gift. Prayer is our way of connecting our faith to God's promises. So I want us to stand as we get ready to dismiss. And I want those that are praying today that are designated to pray on, on our prayer team, if you'd come and please take your place. Listen, the Bible says in Matthew 18 that where two agree as touching anything. That's, that's the point of agreement. If you're, if you're needing prayer, when you come for prayer, one of these people that want to pray with you will probably ask you, what can I pray with you about? Because they want to agree. And when we agree on God's word, God becomes involved. Sometimes things... Even physically in our bodies will take place instantly. But most things I've found take place over time. That God begins to work the moment we ask. And he begins that work and he completes it. As we continue to trust in him. Everybody say, I trust God. I trust God. I I believe it was like uh, either Elizabeth or Pastor Sheila said this morning. What you don't see, don't, mean, don't, mean, don't be moved by what you don't see. Only be moved by the word of God. Continue to trust, continue to trust, continue to trust. This is the only thing that the Lord asks us to do. Continue to trust. He is faithful. He's faithful that, that promised he will bring it to pass. If you're dealing with something today, you don't see a way out. First Corinthians ten thirteen says that, that he would not allow us to be tempted above which we're able to bear. But with the temptation, he will make a way of escape. You can be assured that God is making a way of escape where it doesn't seem like there's a way. He makes a way of escape and brings his will to pass.
So I'm going to pray a prayer, a general prayer, being led by the Spirit. And I believe God's going to speak to you and meet your needs. But if you need prayer specifically in your body, you need prayer about relationships, your marriage, your health, your finances, travel, maybe you're traveling or, or what have you. If you'll come, we, we have people that, that can and will and love to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for an awesome day today. Thank you for... Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast. If you'd like to join us in reaching others by partnering with us today, you can give online by visiting us on our website at lifeway.church forward slash give. Thanks for listening to the Lifeway Church Podcast and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this.